Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Are you, what up? Are you air running? We're hitting the ground running today. Man. Love that. Dude, I like that I, I'm still using my circle light here, and I feel like it's really effective. It brings out your the ridges in your brow. You look kind of like a Neanderthal. Okay. I would Heck. say that your lighting <laughs> is well back. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention my eyes and how beautiful they are. That really brings out your eyes. And how, <laughs> it is well balanced. Like I will say that. In a burlap sack. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> but it does emphasize your brow. Okay, man. But not in a bad way. I've been told that <laughs> guys with my complexion and hair and stuff shouldn't wear a red t-shirt, although I do wear them, particularly oh. at the gym. But it does make me look even paler. Really? To wear Red shirt, yeah. If you're in red shirt, oh, that's oh wow. Black too. If I wear black, which I wear black every day, yeah. <laughs> that is unfortunate. Also, it emphasizes my whiteness. Um, today, well, so this Neanderthal comment, it's because I'm all man and all priest. Okay, so today, Bleezy, my assistant, um, she said, "Sir, my job is to hold back your testosterone." <laughs> I was like. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Is your your testosterone's getting a little ahead of you? I'm like, honestly, I'm pretty pumped by that comment. I don't know exactly what it <laughs> that means. is. Kind of cool, huh? Yep. Yeah. I wonder how many chaplains assistants say that. I only one. <laughs> I'm guessing probably one in the whole U.S. Army. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Huh. That. Uh, if you have anything more on that. I'd be interested, but the it, that reminds me a little bit of I'm reading Jacques Philippe's book on mm. priestly fatherhood right now. You guys read that? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's very good. Um, but he had and I'm going to butcher it, but he he talked about when there's a father present, it like brings about the masculine virtues in a positive way and one of the masculine virtues that he listed again as a positive was combativeness and i thought that was pretty cool (laughs) yeah what did he say is good about it i mean i think he just meant of it's kind of like the peterson thing of like stand up straight with your shoulders back Mm -hmm. you know of he, I mean, he, and he listed like five of them, but combativeness was definitely one um, of them. So I, in no way was he saying like at someone's expense or like in an out of control way. I, I just read it very much as um, like, yeah, you, you got to be up for the good fight. Uh-huh. That's what the, um, you know, good for you for having I think some testosterone present and that's. I read it as assertiveness over aggressiveness. I don't. I can't remember the Jacques Philippe. Um, yeah, what he meant by that exactly. It was well since I read it, but 
other things I've been reading, like in even the psychological and spiritual realm of like maturation and what what it just looks like to be a mature human, but I think particularly in the masculine virtue um, arena, like what we recognize as manly is someone who is assertive. Um, women should be assertive as well. Um, and it just seems to, to fall a lot into the, the man's, like if a man doesn't stand up and speak a truth, regardless of whether he'll be liked for it or not, um, the rest, the women and children, you know, like that it is sort of a paterfamilias role that you, I, I remember as a, as a child thinking like my dad was mad or something, you know, like, or something really mattered to him and he was taking a stand. That was something very impressive and kind of attention getting to me. Um, and I think the original male sin is this passivity of Adam in the garden of not, um, stepping forward and doing battle. Um, you know, you have to hold it in tension with the, the creatureliness dependence that we are also like that, the compensation for an insecurity in that kind of masculine assertiveness is a, is a kind of aggressive combativeness that's immature and kind of acting mm -hmm. out and, um, posturing and like proving itself. Um, like I'm going to play this music really loud. And then if people get mad at me, I'm just going to like give them the finger. Um, nice. driving down the street you know like because i just do whatever <laughs> i want man like i'm just aggressive sorry i'm being a dude um no you're just a jerk right uh, right yeah who needs yeah. who needs attention yeah. um yes but yeah, yeah true like quiet attention seeking quiet assertiveness where it's like okay now huh. now i'm speaking now this matters and i'm going to cut right to the the heart of it and there's a vulnerability in that um so it, even, makes, it makes sense that we would shy away from it. It's tied to as well. Um, this was maybe a month ago. I preached a homily. I found it was when Jesus described himself as meek and humble of heart. And meek, I think, is kind of a tricky word from how we think of it. And I was like, I, I just wondered, like, the biblical understanding of meekness. Wasn't that and, recently too in the daily readings with Moses? He was the meekest man on earth or something or the meekest man in history. Yeah, that no, was... There was never a man meeker. It yeah. reminded me of the Baron's favorite Simpsons quote is when Flanders calls Reverend Lovejoy, <laughs> one of his religious quandaries. And he's like, um, Reverend Lovejoy, I, I'm a little worried because I'm, I'm pretty meek, but I could be meeker. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dorky joke, but Baron loves it. That's really funny. Um... The one I, and I can't remember her, her name, but just found a little write up on it on online. And according to the internet, um, meekness was described at the time for, it was a, it was a military term for horses huh. and horses were like a very important part of the, the culture. And so they could be used for agriculture, trap, like many different things. But the best horses were the ones that were capable of battle. And so once a horse was trained for battle, meaning it could control itself in like these highly stressful situations and still respond immediately to its rider's commands, is it was said to be meeked then. And so like that was a meek horse. And so just like the simple definition of me meekness was strength that is under control. 
Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Wait, who? Meekness, where did you um, see that? Who said that? The internet um, wrote, wrote it. It was on the internet. That's. I think it was ChatGPT. Well, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. Yeah. Hey, I, dude, I have been. I don't know what Meek is. I'm like dying to know what Meek is. So if that is what it is, if that's where it comes from, I, I've had this conversation a ton yeah. before. Like, what? What does meekness? that mean? I know people who are Meek, but I don't know what they are. It's like that's name a, the meekest person you know. That's a meek person, man. Let me try to find it. You guys carry the conversation for a minute. I'm looking up just the straight up dictionary definition of meek. Wait, are y'all looking stuff up right now? Yeah, quiet, gentle, to... and easily imposed on, submissive. Whoa, no, I don't think that's it. That's, that's not it. Well, it does make me think. There's a uh, the the fatherly. The fatherly ability to be combative, that's like, that's very fascinating to me, um, especially considering how combative my dad is. <laughs> and <laughs> he's so combative. Did you say he's meek? I, um, I don't know. I don't know what meek means. <laughs> that's true. I, really I know meek, it, Moses was the meekest man ever, to ever live and that G- mm-hmm. Jesus was meek and humble of heart. And there was one girl from my last parish that I was like, she's meek. I just know that. And she was very, very smart. It doesn't help that in English it rhymes with weak. I that I may do. Maybe there's something to that. But having According having to this internet site, the word meek comes from the Greek word praus, P-R-A-U-S which means strength under control. It was used to define a horse that was trained for battle. Wow. That's wild. That's very cool. And that's from Holy Family School of Faith, schooloffaith.com, Dr. Mike Schurschleit. I mean, he's a doctor. Oh, Mike Schurschleit? Yeah, you know, oh, Mike you know, Doctor Mike. <laughs> Dude, good luck, movie. good luck, Please Megan. <laughs> Megan, do not, do not email me for that name. Okay, I like how I, I have to <laughs> stifle a little bit of a giggle. It's like meek comes from the Greek word praus, which yeah. sounds just like meek. <laughs> you can see exactly how that we got that word from oh, praus. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. No, because there is a necessity in in life for the father to protect his to protect his family and protect his children and i would say it's it's not like um there's also the mama bear tendency and so there's i think there's a the feminine expression of this as well which is also really really powerful and really beautiful um you know the blessed mother we had our lady of assumption yesterday stomping on the head of the serpent like she gets after it um and and yet there's like an image that i have of this fatherhood you know connor you got to meet my old battalion commander who is in charge of you know 600 700 uh, paratroopers and a lot of them just teens and you know 18 to 22 and many have never had a dad before and they look to him like a dad if he came in and was just like, Hey, I love you guys. And I want to care for you guys. And we're going to jump into uh, Afghanistan and we're going to be fighting the Taliban. Like, I just really believe in you guys. 
and kind of gives this like more coddling type affection and care and love that dads can do in the proper time and the proper place, but not when you're in Afghanistan fighting against the Taliban. You need his giant head, and I would tell him he had a massive forehead all the time, to aggressively smash into <laughs> people that are trying to hurt his people's heads. And he was like really good at it. And it was really beautiful to see that there was a dad that was willing to face like real evil, which really exists in the name of protecting his people, um, which is not posturing. It's appropriate and it's, it's in the proper context. Um, and, and I can see that like 100% is like that shepherdly priestly role that there is a component to protecting. It's, it's a very real realistic characteristic because it's, it acknowledges the reality of original sin and the enemy like the enemy's lurking and he's, he's, he's prowling like a roaring lion. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready to do battle with that dude. Um, yeah, I love that. My, my dad for the sign of peace that he would do for us this is how aggressive he was. He would take <laughs> our head and his head and just smash our heads together like that. Hmm. It would peace be with you. And we would just, clunk noggins headbutt each other yeah we would headbutt each other and he was like mm. that was a deep, that's awesome that's a deep sign of affection <clears throat> for my dad mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm thinking of all sorts of examples because i i think i'm not i am more of a sensitive and was more of a sensitive boy growing up that needed i think more encouragement um than simply just like come on do it live up to this and uh, there were times like I remember on the fire crew, uh, cause I very much wanted to, I wanted to like be tough and do things that would test me and to get that tough love and be pushed beyond what I thought I could do. But then there was, there would be a line where it's like, you know, sometimes you get in those kind of male dominated environments where there is a, more of a freedom to just be like, Hey dude, just, this is, this is the way it is. And we're just being dudes and we're going to tell you how it is and we're not going to coddle you. But it like you can tell when it goes from like, I'm doing this out of love because I see the potential in you and I want to cultivate it and push you beyond your comfort zone to like, I just, I kind of despise your weakness here hmm. and I'm going to shame you hmm. as a way to like get you to stop being that way because this that's not acceptable hmm. here, you know? And I remember several times and we were like out in the woods for weeks at a time and it wasn't exactly like you could just walk off the job site and go home but i was like man i'm gonna quit when i get back because i just felt like so small um you know trying to figure out i'm trying to like live up to expectations live up to standards that i've never run a chainsaw before i've never driven a stick shift i've never been in a helicopter i've never done any of these things that are like new to me um and instead of getting encouraged the first year I was out there, I got very encouraged all the time. Um, but I think the second year there was just like more expectation on me and I just, and I had a lot of room to grow. Um, I was like 22, 23 years old. I was still pretty immature. Um, but yeah, there was just some times where, where I'd get that and be like, dang dude, um, that sucks. Or that really, that really doesn't feel very good. Um, getting pushed in that way where it's like, I feel more exposed than protected. 
Um, and that said, I will say also kind of like what we were talking about last time, I mentioned that idea of like fear being a useless emotion, that the truth of the matter is that we are actually safe all the time, that we are in um, the safety of the Father's love for us. That's our truest identity. Like the current you talk about loved by loved by God is who you are. So you're never really in danger. I mean, you could be in physical danger of dying and like naturally, you, you know, you resist that and the fear response gets you to like make the change, you know, stop touching the hot stove or, you know, run away from the mauling bear or whatever. Um, but generally speaking, like I, I get anxious in weird situations that I don't understand why I have this deep anxiety. Like I'm always afraid of being late for my flight. Like just traveling makes me anxious. Um, just the other day I took the train cause I'm like, there's traffic in Chicago is so insane right now. Like half of the lanes are closed on the, on the main expressway. Um, so just trying to find other ways to get places like riding my bike, taking the train, but then like trying anything new or doing like getting out of my comfort zone or like maybe I'll miss that train or I don't know um, if you can take your bike on the train and I'm like looking at it like just these little things where I feel like I'm not comfortable. I'm going to be rejected. I'm like, I'm not, it's not okay for me to be in this situation. Uh, like that's where I think meekness. There was a story of John Paul II when he went back to Poland as the Pope and the communists like let him come. And you know, that famous scene where he's like in, I think it's in Krakow or Warsaw mm -hmm. and everybody's chanting, we want God. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was said in whatever documentary I was watching that the communist commandant or whatever, who was like kind of co-hosting this event and kind of like supervising and making sure that it, there wasn't any political, um, whatever upheaval was like trembling as he realized like the public opinion here has completely <laughs> gone the gone against him whereas john paul ii was just like stone steady um like smile on his face you know in the middle of like this huge clash of of ideology and worldviews and pol political power and stuff um mm. like he's able to just be in that situation and and not be afraid at all like totally comfort, totally in himself. Um, I remember when I heard that story, it actually made me feel very scared. Like, how could I ever get there? Like John Paul II is like Batman or something. He's like such a superhero that how did he, how is he just not afraid of anything? You know, standing there in front of millions of people and the Soviet Union behind him. But I think it's this, what Mother Mary Francis talks about with meekness in the Beatitudes book. Mm. Um was like just refusing to play the games of territorialism. You know, it's like, I will not fight over territory because not because I'm just a pushover and you can tell me whatever to do. It's that like everything belongs to me. You can't, there's no point in fighting over it because it's mine anyway. You know, like the meek will inherit the earth. Um, so she talks about, there's some phrase about St. Francis that he swung the whole world around like a trinket at his wrist. Like he was just everything. He owned everything because he was God's son. Hmm. And so he didn't have to fight over anything. If somebody tried to take something from him, he's like, okay. Like it just wasn't, it was growing out of a place of not like I've achieved this level of equanimity to where nothing scares me. I'm like, you know, I'm this perfect horse that can bombs can be going off and, and I don't shake, you know, it's more from like this place of security, like a little kid in his father's arms that I don't have to fight because that's not my fight, you know? Um, 
and whatever I need to to do this part of the fight that I'm called for is like provided for me in the moment I need it. So I like that. I mean, I think the I still like the definition of strength that is under control, because then even in that there's a freedom of like when to be passive and when to be like assertive, if if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that like it's in. Yeah. It's embodied in in people. So it's like you kind of know it when when you see it. But that's a that's an amazing I really like Mother Mary Francis as well, but the uh, that's an amazing image to think about, like John Paul standing there in in the midst of of that. My brain would be on fire, dude. Yeah, in that situation. But at the same, like I, I it was interesting because as you described that of like that whoever the communist was shaking and him like kind of standing there in this engagement with this moment, um, steady. He would like, obviously he was a poet, so he was a deeply like feeling guy, but I don't know if it was the Weigel biography of him or, or another story if I read, but he was, he was a very like tender guy as, as well. Like, I think on that, it might've been on the same, uh, Poland trip and I, this could be wrong. I don't know where to cite this from. It might be from the Weigel book, but there was a story that he, he wanted to like, sing polish songs with the youth so he went out to his window of wherever he was staying and there was this huge crowd of like polish kids youth that were out there and they sang like polish songs for an hour or so and they um they made some type of gesture that it was like it it could have been read of like they were almost ready to revolt from all the oppression that they were under and he realized in the moment that he like he could spark like bad things as well. He had such a level of influence. He could tell them to go and start violence or whatever, whatever. And so he told them that night after that happened, pretty much like what a special night it was for him. And he said, like, now let's all go to bed quietly, meaning like no pieces like that's the way here. But then the story is like as soon as he went back either to his room or the car that he was going back to his place, he just like wept and wept and wept for for those kids and kind of the gravity of of the moment. Wow. So I don't know. I was always just moved by like, as you said that, I, I don't know, came to mind. So. That's so insane, dude. I. <laughs> I would have caused World War Three, one hundred percent. Right. That's just like the. When you this is like this gets to the how high God's ways are above our ways because look at the Father, the Father, His love for the world, you know, is manifested in the gift of His Son, who He doesn't come to fight for, but allow us to suffer. You know, and that that to me is like what John Paul II is is grieving. There is something so sublime like it's beyond anything words can put in you know you can put into words that he's both with these young people like 100 his his heart belongs to them and yet he has to allow them for a time at least to keep suffering under this oppression sure um well and his capacity to navigate and experience really receive 
the full weight of a range of emotions within a span of just a few, you know, hours that are, that would be life changing for, you know, any individual. And, and he just takes it in stride, you know, and I, I'm sure it's not just another day. Like we tell the story cause it is remarkable, but the, the grace with which he moves through very complex situations is unbelievable. And, you know, I, I go back, like, this is the fatherhood thing that his dad in like nowhere in the middle of nowhere where nobody saw and nobody kept score, nobody was watching, formed his son to pray and to be the man that he was. And like his dad's hidden love in somewhere Poland, I should probably know where in Poland, has... Vadovica. Vadovica, there we go. Has now in some way played a part in this like great revelation of God's love for the world and humanity's mm. desire for God. It's like this little moment and then this like really bright, brilliant moment of like hidden, hidden grace. And then this full revelation of grace from a little father to like the father of the world, the father of, you know, of, of the church and our father and, yeah, to see how those two things are connected. And it's pretty wild. Yeah. And so that's I God. I think he right, that's God. And I think JP2 had the capacity to move from those little hidden moments. So that's like you know with those crowds and by himself very hidden. He's with the Father, which he learned from his father. And then he can go into these big moments where literally the mm-hmm. whole world is looking at him. And he leads the most successful, most peaceful revolution in human history. Nobody died and, you know, the Berlin yeah. Wall collapses and Poland is free of occupation of the Soviet Union. It's never happened before, ever in human history. Yeah. And the father... You're saying even to be able to discern through, like, the decisions of, like, the day, like feeling the weight of that responsibility and yet not panicking, not overcompensating trying to control the situation realizing like wow i have a lot of influence here what, what should i do with it but just the the ease is because it's, he's formed by the father dude i definitely it depends on him i would have blown up the or not world. not rushing yeah just like mm-hmm. the the patience or again i like the strength under control there of um i've never associated that but yeah that's that's now what I understand as meekness. Hmm. Hmm. JP two destroying communism mm-hmm. was from being meek. Yeah, mm-hmm. with but it's like destroying communism with song, prudence, and like tears and presence. Like that's not the way that you think communism falls. Right. That's insane. It's pretty baller. I have somebody that comes You're into talking my office about that. and they're like a little bit upset. And I'm like, oh, there goes my day. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another one. I was thinking about with your talk about John Paul II's father and that hiddenness leading to this brightness. I was uh, passing through Arvada, Colorado. 
uh, with Father Nathan Goebel, stayed, stayed at his house uh, for a night on our way back from Idaho in July. And um, I saw a Michelle Dupong funeral um, pamphlet, like program or whatever, on this shelf in the sacristy. And I asked Nathan about it. And he's like, oh, she was baptized here, actually. Uh, her parents, mm-hmm. her family came through Arvada um, and told him this, like, that they were living there at the time when she was born. And then they, they moved to, I think, South Dakota and we were living on a ranch there. But yeah, lived in this uh, suburb of Denver for a little bit. And this kind of nothing uh, modern looking church, nothing particularly mm. beautiful or, or uh, remarkable about it. And this little baptistry in the back of the narthex, there this young woman who became a saint she was baptized as a little baby. Hmm. Um, well, I think she's a saint, but it's pretty, pretty remarkable. And that's what I mean that it's God, like that's, that's the Holy spirit, um, works in these totally hidden ways that by the world standards, you'd think, how could that be? Um, how God gets into his world for healing and for restoration, but it is, um, I know it gives me a lot of confidence that you don't have to, you don't have to create an experience. You don't have to uh, manufacture it. It's just, we've talked about this before, this like inexorable unfolding of the kingdom that's happening and we get to cooperate with it. It's pretty cool. Dude, I'm also really great. And I I do actually have to go. So maybe I'll just give myself the last word. Um, (laughs) I'm so grateful for the saints. <laughs> like, how how can you talk about meekness as a principle without pointing, as a reality, without pointing to examples to make sense of what that word means and, and to have people that have played it out, to play it out in in time and space that you can actually see what it looks like. So then it's like, oh, JP2 has actually showed what meekness looks like. Now I know that there's another way that it's not power and it's not passivity, but it's like, I still don't know what meekness is, but it's something like what JP2 did and and what all these other saints did. Um, and now I have confidence that like, I can play another game. I'm not going to play the game of the world. I'm going to play another game. And mm. I think this is actually the best way to do it. Like, thanks be to God. We have the saints that we can point to. Yeah. And, and not to steal the last word, but I did find this is for Megan that uh, Elizabeth Party was the that's the article I found. I sent it to you guys as well on on the definition of meekness and the war horses and strength under control. But I think just from a quick scam, why I thought it was legit, uh, she got it from Father John Ricardo. Mm. Then. Oh, nice. That's so, a yeah. source. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, All right. Like this. No, that's it. I was thinking no. Cardinal George, that, that quote I sent you guys about uh, not living, you know, like your point about the third way, not living as if like the only way to get ahead in the world is to to play the game of the world. Um, yeah, it's without somebody to set that example that like I can be, I don't have to like escape the scary things of the world, but I also don't have to just like become another combatant in the in the world of like fighting over worldly territory, I can be this totally free, utterly free 
Alter Christus, another Christ that's just in his world for healing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. Being overdoing. All right. Get to your thing, dude. I'm going to hit stop. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.